Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Ben? Yes, Adam? This is an interesting episode to maybe discuss the following topic. What are you afraid of? Hmm. That's, uh, I don't know that I have, like, any phobias. I mean, I'm not crazy about heights, but I don't have a ton of cause to be you know up on scaffolding and i feel like when i am it's not like it's not like i lose control yeah uh yeah i think that the irrational fear is well i'm sure that i have one and i just haven't encountered it but you know like when we go on a when we go on an airplane and my wife is sitting next to me she really goes through a lot to like yeah. fly to from New York to LA yeah. and the well, seven like, stages of Android, uh, it, airline phobia. Yeah. And like, I, um, it took me a long time to like get my head around the fact that there's nothing she can do about that, you know? Yeah. Cause I'm just like, just think your way out of it. You know, it's not a, it's not a dangerous way to travel. Riding in a car is a dangerous way to travel. It's interesting to me how those things come on later. Like, my parents have never been fearful of flying, and now it would take a miracle to get them on a plane. Really? Yeah, and and I hear about this a lot. Like, uh, like some of these phobias set in later on in life. In a that strange is way. interesting. Well, I'm... I hope that one never hits me because I really like flying, even for all of the ways that flying tries to make you hate it. <laughs> I still yeah. do enjoy it. I'm sure that I'm due for loads of really life-compromising phobias yeah. <laughs> since I've gotten this far with relatively few. Yeah, they're coming. They're on the next train. I mean, this is not to say, Adam, that I don't have lots of mental frailties. I sure do. It's just that, like, irrational fears are not among them. I'm much more like, uh, I feel terrible and never want to do anything or see anyone ever again kind of yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. So I think the reason I bring this up, Ben, is because, I mean, we're, I think we're coming at this episode a little differently than how we normally do, which, was, which is like using the Marin Open to set the tone for what's to come. But mm-hmm. I read something interesting about the writer of this episode. Brandon Braga said... Uh, that this episode was one of his most personal because he hates flying. And that's where the idea came from to write Barkley as transporter phobic. And it, it made me think a lot about the relationship between science fiction and contemporary fear. Yeah. And how difficult it must be to write about flying like write about space flying even from the perspective of someone who who does not like it and how that must cut creatively adam did i hear you say you did a little research yeah i know i'm the room is spinning yeah i thought Um, i thought we had an agreement dude well the reason that i did the research was because this episode just feels like a great departure from the norm this is 
Yeah. This is going into the bottle on a character. A character who has had quite a few bottles given to him. So yeah. maybe now is a good time to start the episode. As we as we discuss season six, episode two, Realm of Fear. <laughs> Adam, Yosemite is missing. <laughs> the starship Yosemite. <laughs> mm. uh, it's a uh, science vessel. Was doing some science on. I feel like we've seen this star, right? Yeah, yeah. The star getting sucked into another star. Is it the same one, or is it a different one where the same thing is happening? I think it's the second one. Yeah. Um, so. They pull up and they, uh, you know, get out their binoculars and they look into the into the suck stream and there's the Yosemite adrift and uh, they're like, okay, well let's beam them out and they're like, well the transporter is gonna get some some bad interference if we try and you know send it through that through, the, through that suck stream like it's got it's got a line of sight thing but you can't have a high wind compromising it. So uh, I feel like Riker's we've like, seen a lot of these scout ships fucked up, Ben. Like, yeah. like this, bad things are always happening to them. Yeah, you don't want to get in a uh, in a Miata class starship. <laughs> Do you think when you graduate the academy and you get your ship assignment, you're like fingers are crossed that you don't get a scout? Like you'd rather go to the hood than a scout, right? At least you're <laughs> going to be safe on the hood. The hood is a, is essentially a pleasure cruise, Adam. Captain DeSoto is not putting you in any kind of stressful situations. Captain DeSoto puts you first. That's what I like about him. Yeah, he's not a. He's like a. He's like a bottom up guy. You know, he's, he's the like, hey, what do you guys think? Teacher that wants to be friends with you, and yeah. and the class just walks all over him. <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh, uh, we were thinking about going to Wolf Three Five Nine. Or uh, are you guys into it? No, no. Okay, we don't have to. We don't have to. Or I can put in this VHS cassette of the Civil War documentary. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Everyone uh, loves movie period. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> raining outside, so uh so recess is canceled, but <laughs> Oh man, Mr. DeSoto's awesome. <laughs> the Yosemite is not so lucky. Their captain took him too close to the to the suck stream. And uh Riker suggests maybe taking a Previa out there and they're like same risk for the Previa as there is for this starship so the idea is tossed out by one Reginald Barkley Commander if we bridged our transporter system with theirs we might be able to cut through the ionic field and Jordy's like awesome buddy you just volunteered to be the first one over <laughs> it's one yeah. of those no, no good deed goes unpunished kind of moments there's a fun amount of exposition in this scene because uh, O'Brien's like, look, the only difference between transporting normally and this weird conjoined form of transport is that uh, you're going to feel a special tingle and it's going to take like three times as long. And Riker's like, that sounds great. Let's do it, Mr. Worf. <laughs> like, I love Riker's like cocksuredness about the plan and then he volunteers someone else to go first <laughs> he volunteers his best friend to try it yeah. out <laughs> <laughs> no one comments on the tingle though no this scene um really stood out to me because i was looking at 
Dwight Schultz's hair. Mm. And I was like, God damn, like it looks like Dwight Schultz hasn't used conditioner since the last episode he was on. Yeah. And then it cuts to O'Brien and O'Brien's got the same problem. They both look super dry. You think they're sharing a trailer with some uh, water pressure issues? I just wondered if they had, like, the B team from HMU get dispatched. Like, Paramount was like, hey, we need the good the good uh, team for, like, a movie. Uh, but these guys are, you know, they've been training for, for weeks. They're very good at this point. Mm. And uh, Dwight Schultz and Colum Meany got kind of fucked over. If you're at their level, you don't get the A-list hair and makeup, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, There's maybe a- it's like, it's like a... Uh, it's like a front zip back zip thing where like right we're like okay we've got you in a we've got you in a back zip but we're you're not quite in in front zip in, as far as hair care goes that uh the back zip craft services is is much much nicer <laughs> yeah. a lot far more variety than front zip craft services which is like a TGI Fridays like yeah, takeout it, it's like the business class lounge at an airport you know right. like you can leave your luggage around yeah. Nobody's going to take it. Yeah. There's some real fun tension building in this scene because this is a lot like... I've never been skydiving, but every everything I hear from people who have gone have been like, look, if you ever go skydiving, <laughs> always go first. Right. You do not want to be in the plane watching people jump out. If you have any sort of compunction about it, like make sure your ass is out of the door first. And yeah. this is the fatal flaw that Barkley makes as a transport phobe. He's like... He's, he's standing there watching it. Yeah. yeah. You know what it really reminded me of was when I was a kid, like occasionally we would like hike to somewhere where there was like a like a swimming hole and mm-hmm. you could jump off of a rock that was like 15 feet above the swimming hole into yeah. the water. And like if if I didn't go first, at watching other people do it did not reassure me that it was okay to do. It made it more and more scary every single time. Yeah. And uh they go for some fun close-ups on Schultz. He is, like, dripping sweat. He is sweating bullets. And uh, by the time he gets up on the pad, he is just... He's a hot mess. I wouldn't have... I mean, was there any indication that Barkley was a transporter-phobe up until this moment? This is a this is a new character trait, right? I think so, yeah. I mean, I... He's always been a little other... tweaky, but yeah. that's just general. Um, Pulaski is always, uh, was always a transporter phobe, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but she's old. You can understand like she hasn't met very many of them. I guess they probably dusted him off because they were like, we cannot sell this for any of the main characters. Yeah. This is sort of like applying to be in the Coast Guard and hating to swim. I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how you graduate Starfleet Academy and have this sort of an issue with a transporter. Yeah, you you should have to tread beam for 45 minutes to prove that you're a capable <laughs> transportee. Oh man, the tingling on 45 minutes has got to be extreme. <laughs> oh man. That's more than a Selsun blue amount of tingle. Yeah. Speaking of Selsun Blue, Barkley and o- O'Brien could, <laughs> could use some, uh, maybe maybe just changing shampoos, you know? Yeah. The hair gets kind of used to it. I'm sure that's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he basically, he pulls a data, he shits himself, and he punches out. Phase coils are... I'm sorry, I just can't do this. And uh, we smash to 
opening credits. We come back and <laughs> Barkley is in therapy. He has walked directly to therapy from the transporter room. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's glad that uh, Counselor Troy had an opening for a walk-in. <laughs> Do you think he just like grabbed 90s mom hair off the couch and yeah. threw her into the hall? He's like, <laughs> I really need this right now. Sorry. Yeah. Go meet Captain Picard. I, I feel like you guys would hit it off. <laughs> he loves a redhead. Yeah. I think we get a set redress for this, uh, for Counselor Troy's office, too. Yeah, this is uh, same couch, a lot of the same furniture, but a different room and different, differently oriented, I think. I feel like Counselor Troy doesn't have a lot for him by way of, of like, advice, uh, counseling <laughs> or, or medical or otherwise, but she does introduce him to a part of his anatomy that he's not familiar with, Ben, and maybe you haven't been either. It's called the placebo, <laughs> and the placebo is located right near the carotid artery below the ear. Mm-hmm. And if you yeah. just tap on the placebo... Uh, you can make yourself feel a lot better during stressful situations. Yes, it's a betazoid method. It's the homeopath's answer to <laughs> cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy, Adam. It's like, hey, you've got a, a thing that really works. Let's do something that's the opposite of that and hope that you're hoping it works is enough. Oh, boy. Ben, do you hear that in the distance? <laughs> That's, those are the letters, and they're coming. This is a thousand monkeys working at a thousand typewriters. I think people that think about an advanced future know enough to know a, a charlatan school of medicine when they see one. Have you ever gone to a place and had a pin stuck into your placebo? <laughs> I found it incredibly soothing, and that's not a joke. Have you ever done that? I have not done that. I know that uh, that has been good for people I know, but uh, I have I've never had cause to do it. Here's the thing about acupuncture for me personally. But acupuncture is a, is it like has a measurable impact? Yeah. Whereas homeopathy is a lie. <laughs> oh man! Please uh, please address your letters directly to Ben, uh, so that I may make the right Gmail rule for these. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm <laughs> You're handling this, Ben. <laughs> so Barkley starts tapping on his placebo, and he's like, this is working great. I actually feel a lot better. And he he walks back. He, like, he walks out of the counselor's office, like, raring to go, feeling great, yeah. ready to rejoin R- the mission. Rock hard to fuck the transporter. Yeah. This is an episode where you get a lot of different perspectives of the transporter itself, both in terms of the person being transported, but also shot compositionally. Like, I don't remember mm-hmm. ever seeing inside out of the transporter pad. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty fun to to get the, yeah, like not just the, the POV of somebody being transported, yeah. but just seeing what somebody being transported would see before the beam is even engaged. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's cool. neat. It's it's cooler than I would have expected. Just yeah, I, just changing the look of it. What a shame that they haven't used these sets in that way up till now. Like it's the same set. Yeah, I mean, 
you gotta knock out that wall behind the transporter or you're or you're faking it like I, there's just not a lot of room up there on the pad yeah it must be it they don't want to uh they don't want to deploy their tripod on that nice shiny surface yeah it's true it's full of isolinear chips as we'll see <laughs> later so the uh so red shows up on the bridge of this other ship and uh there's not a lot of people around and everything's blinking they find one guy that's covered in some bolognese sauce and uh so they're gonna take him back but like a lot of the crew is missing right i could have used a verbal check of like what's the crew complement of a scout ship like this because i had a hard time wrapping my mind around how many were missing how many were dead how many are typically on board these ships it seemed like at no point was there was there more than a couple of dozen? Does that sound accurate? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely never clarified as far as I know. I am unwilling to do that level of research, though. <laughs> and you can send you can send those letters to me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I guess they've got some concerns that maybe there's some some foul play afoot. Like there's some... Ferengi's complaining about a Cardassian attack in the neighborhood. And so, you know, yeah. like they don't know, they don't really know what happened to this ship. They don't know what happened to everybody. And they're like, oh, maybe like the Cardassians did it. I think Picard's on the FaceTime with a n- nice old lady admiral. They got no short supply of admirals in Starfleet. And every admiral has a different costume. <laughs> maybe that's. That's sort of admiral's prerogative. When you get up to oh, that yeah, level, you like, get to pick it out yourself. Like George Patton getting to make up his own uniforms. Yeah. That's great, right? You know what yeah. we never we, get out of the admirals? We get all the bureaucracy that comes with an admiral, but we never get the admiral who's grizzled because he's been through the shit. Yeah. The admiral with the glass eye who's like, <laughs> look, I've been in Cardassian space, and I got to tell you, Picard, watch your fucking back. Like, <laughs> like, that would be really cool. But instead, we get like very matronly, very sober instructions from basically every admiral we've seen. It would be good if there were, like, this is the flagship. It would be really nice if, like, on the flag, like, what if Picard had, like, a superior who was around a bunch? Yeah. A regular? Like, uh... What's his name on Charlie's Angels? Bosley? Like uh like Fred Thompson in <laughs> Hunt for Red October when they're on when he gets to the carrier group in the fucking North Atlantic, you know? Like like what if Picard had to like defer to the wisdom of another of another character a lot? Like cuz that that captain like was definitely trying to be a captain and then Fred Thompson's like, like, cut the boy some slack, Charlie. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm just, all I'm saying, Adam, is please write Fred Thompson's character from Red October into Star Trek The Next Generation. I, I, I just sat back wordlessly on that thread, just hoping and praying that I would hear a Fred Thompson impression. <laughs> and I got it. Thank you. (laughs) Here's the thing about Fred Thompson. Like, I can't think of another example of a more fun character actor combined with a worse politician. I know. It's incredible. He's so likable. Mm. He's so likable. And and he plays basically the same character in Days of Thunder. Yeah. Like, 
I'm almost positive Days of Thunder is canonical Red October. <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, it's Baldwin track Jack Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and like Fred Thompson, almost as if like he doesn't know a camera is on, tells like the most awful racist story about like. Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, Days of Thunder at all? I was probably, I was probably like almost twenty years younger than I am right now when I saw Days of Thunder last. Days of Thunder is worth watching again. I won't say it holds up. It's got some nice racism in it. <laughs> the racism is isn't the part that's funny. That part is <laughs> that part is shocking. But like Fred Thompson. Do you think Fred Thompson showed up on set and was like, I'd like to make some changes to my character and the dialogue he says? (laughs) He's like, he thinks he's waiting for the scene that he's actually shooting. Like, that's the the headcanon that I have. (laughs) Jesus. Like, why don't you you sit down here, Mr. Thompson, and uh, we'll get you prepped. (laughs) What, I'm done? (laughs) (laughs) I always think about... Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger at like the craft services table yeah. on Predator. Like, did it? Did they ever get into politics? God, I would and, like, love. And like, you know, Arnold's like, you know, like we have to cut taxes on the job creators at the top of the economic pyramid. And Jesse's Jesse Ventura's like, that's a Bilderberger group concept that's been injected into the American body politic for two generations. <laughs> I mean, as as long as we're here injecting more and more C plus, C minus impressions into the cast, Adam. Give me all the impressions, Ben. <laughs> oh, God. I, like that? There is a commentary track out there with both of them, right? There I feel like that be. has to exist. Ooh, yeah. They must have got him in a sound booth at some point. And this was probably post-Ventura yeah. governorship and pre-governatorship. Maybe they got in that sound booth and uh, and Ventura sort of inspired the <laughs> gubernatorial run. <laughs> You've got the X Factor. You've got the policy platform. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah. But I have so much to learn. <laughs> I think learn is my favorite word to say as Schwarzenegger. Yeah. There's like four syllables in that word. I was with a friend and we were in San Diego doing something at Comic-Con. And uh, we drove past a billboard advertising an exhibit called Koalifornia. And my favorite thing to do as Schwarzenegger ever since has been to talk about <laughs> Koalifornia. My favorite koala exhibit at the San Diego Zoo. <laughs> Adam, we have a pretty a pretty interesting episode to to talk about today. Let's get back to it. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like this is the furthest off road we've gone off of an episode. <laughs> like like we're yeah, almost at a half gas tank. We really should turn back to the road. How do we even get back to the episode at this point? I don't know. We're, we're like it's, uh, it's starting to get dark out here, Ben. It's like Gattaca. We've we've swam out and not saved anything for the swim back. 
I ate my last granola bar hours ago. There's no more water left. <laughs> this is going to turn into a Donner Party thing. I don't have any cell signal, do you? <laughs> uh, no, I have AT&T, though, so I never really do. Mm. Mm. Zing. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> There's some fun, like, Star Trek CSI going on over on the other ship. Like, there's, like, a spot in the other ship's transporter that's got, like, an explosion mark, and Worf is like, Las Valisus indicates the explosion originated here. Yeah, their transporter room looks like a pizza oven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't look yeah. good. Soot. Um, yeah, they need to run the oven clean mode on their transporter. It's how you get that delicious char on the bottom, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's seasoning, ultimately. And that's the mystery, right? They got, a, they got a bunch of crispy bodies over there. They got a charred-up transporter. Beverly beams over the crispy guy into Six Bay, starts performing some tests on him. And he starts displaying some weird, some weird shit. Like, yeah. parts of him wake up and then go back to sleep uh, totally separately. Like... She'll get brain readings off of him, and then they'll go away. And then he'll start breathing, and then he'll stop. And then his heart will start beating, and then it'll stop. Like, none of these systems are combined with any other system. So it's not like he's alive again, but it's real spooky. Patty Yasutaki is in this scene as Nurse Ogawa, and um, it's it's a big moment for her, Adam. She doesn't play it up, but she has been upgraded to back zip. What? Yep. You know what? I just sort of took the front zip for granted. Nope. Ben? Yeah, Ogawa's gone back zip. You know what? I, I like to keep my eye line up, like when I'm <laughs> looking at Ogawa. Like, I don't want her to think I'm, like, copping a look or anything. <laughs> I just sort of assume that the zipper's going to be on the front where I saw it last. My like, eyes are up here, Adam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed it when it was an over-the-shoulder shot, Adam, so I, uh, I didn't... I I didn't do anything offensive. Oh, good job by you. Um, they've You're got this, a better man than me. They've got this kind of uh, event horizony guy, right? He's like he's got the like slices all over his body, and they're they're yeah, like he keeps he keeps like coming to life in different ways, but not all at once. Yeah, it's creepy. He he is legit Fangoria. Like he is cover of Fangoria, fucked up. <laughs> I think that we've also already had one of these, like, one of these encounters with the transporter turds, where I think when when Barkley beams back to the Enterprise, he's in the transporter beam, and that it looks like a shy Halud had a love child with a poop, and uh, it's swimming around in there. It's some of the worst puppetry we've seen on the show. It is... It is children's hospital puppet show <laughs> quality. Like, but, uh, like Ben, what does it look like? It looks like a man wearing an oven mitt, like it really swimming does. it around, wearing a green suit. And guess what, Ben? Like doing more research for this episode, it's a man wearing an oven mitt <laughs> and a and a green suit that yeah. that did this effect. Yeah, this is very uncharacteristically hokey. For the show, like I think that the, they get the effects right so much of the time 
The only explanation is that they couldn't they couldn't unwind the comp for the the remastered version is the only explanation that this remains because it shouldn't be there. Yeah, it's really rough. And um you ever make that slug in the lunchroom with the with the wrapper of a drinking straw and you like drop drop yeah, some yeah, water yeah. on it? That's yeah. what this thing looks like. Yeah. It kind of has that look to it. Um well this but thing also bites shit. Bar- yeah. This thing bites Barkley on the arm, and like for the rest of the episode, like every so often he'll pull his sleeve back, and his arm looks all transportery. He gets into a little chaotic bro here because, like, what are you supposed to do when something weird happens to you, Ben? If you see something, say something. Yeah, take it to the doctor. Take it to the tra- to, to the counselor, which he's already established he's willing to do in this episode. Yeah, but it's his shame that prevents him from doing this. He's he's afraid that if he reports it, he's going to come off as one of those transporter room crazies that uh, <laughs> that they used to have in the Federation 50 years ago. Or in season two. Right. <laughs> I love it. Barkley's like, uh, he talks to Jordy. He's like, so has anything weird ever happened to you in a transporter? Jordy's like, no, not really. It's gone great for me every time. As if... We're meant to forget that he and Roe basically died four episodes ago in a transporter accident. Yeah, that's a good point, Adam. I didn't Why even think about Why are you lying that. to make him feel better, Jordy? <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be your friend. You should have enough respect for, with, for him to be truthful about this. Yeah. My love is a He's trying to chill himself out, but he makes the classic mistake of going on WebMD. Computer, access Starfleet medical database. He, like, you know, does all the all of the pitfalls my wife falls into whenever, yeah. like, I have a health thing. She, like, diagnoses my cancer. So You are not supposed to type in black spot on arm. Or <laughs> what he does is, like, he types in sparkles on forearm, and he mm-hmm. gets, like, the most awful pictures read to him by the computer. Yeah. I think that, like, uh, eventually we get to a point where Barkley, he's going to get, like, cleansed in the transporter beam. Is that the, is that the idea? Or no, he, like, he like goes and gets O'Brien, and he's like, hey, you, you and me have terrible hair in this episode, right? And O'Brien's like, right, right. And he's like, all right, I need your help. I need you to, like, put me in the transporter beam for a little while so I can take a look around, see if I'm going crazy. And O'Brien's like, well, listen, like, I don't get your transporter phobia, but I'm totally terrified of spiders, so I get it. On that level, I'm going to help you out, bro. I'm going to do you, like, like, from one guy with terrible hair to another, I'm going to do you a solid. And it's such a weird concept. Like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in the beam and leave you there yeah. until you see some stuff. Yeah, I'll let you tread beam for a little while. Like, O'Brien's form of commiseration is such a weird choice. Like, I'm afraid of stuff, too, like spiders. (laughs) You can tell they aren't very good friends because the direction that O'Brien would go with a closer friend is more like, uh, I'm locked in a loveless marriage and I can't seem to find my way out of it. It's sort of like being covered with invisible monsters. (laughs) So Barkley goes in the the beam and I guess he confirms that he's seeing shit. Is that it? Yeah. So he comes out and he's like, I want you to wake the senior staff. He has a really nice urgent to commercial, doesn't he? He really does. Yeah, we we very rarely get Barkley eyes. 
But he's got him. He's got the eyes for it. We don't get the scene where someone's got to wake up the captain because of Barkley's weird theory. And that go between has got to be real uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, is that Riker? Is like, like, like Barkley is a lieutenant and O'Brien is an enlisted guy at this point. And Barkley goes, wake up the senior staff. And O'Brien's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Shouldn't, Shouldn't that order, like, shouldn't that go up, not down? I was really surprised that Picard attended this meeting. I really feel like he could have totally credibly been like, just catch me up later. <laughs> Barkley? Like, there's no way this mm. is legit. Not going. <laughs> yeah. Wait, this is the same guy who plugged himself into the computer that one time and almost <laughs> killed all of us? Yeah, I think I'll wait until after brunch. See, see if this is an opportunity to get rid of him, Will. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the it's it comes out that Barkley is like infected with space bugs. He's got like uh, they're like microscopic thingies from the from the suck stream that are that are in his system because of the transporter beam, and like they confirm it by like blowing up some some suck stream matter in the engineering like in a controlled demo in the engineering room and they're like the only way to get it off is by sending you through the transporter beam like for a while and, that was uh, a real fun mythbusters bit that they did in engineering <laughs> that was yeah, great it was. yeah yeah jamie and adam are theorizing that sex stream matter will explode if exposed to resonant frequencies <laughs> We've beamed some of this matter into a bank teller's tube chute container. <laughs> Berkeley, check the containment field. That was awesome. You just can't put much stuff into that into that tube. Yeah. Before it blows up. Is that tube only still alive at Home Depot? I feel like that's how they take a check at Home Depot, but that's the only place that still uses it, right? My bank has the tube. Do they? Yeah. Oh, man, I knew I wanted to live in Seattle. And, like, for years and years and years, I've always deposited in the ATM until until uh, there was a line at the ATM and the tube was open, and I was like, I don't think I've ever used this tube before. Let's try it. And now I'm exclusively tube. tube. I am tube every time now. It gives you a fun, like, walkie-talkie interaction with the teller. You get to push a button and shoot a thing. And anytime you're banking, if you can shoot a thing at the same time, I think that's fun. That's great. Yeah. It also seems incredibly fraught with danger. Like, the idea of cash or check just being scattered inside the tube, it seems totally real to me. Yeah. It, it seems like it should happen all the time. Man. We need to bring back the tube. Pneumatics need to make a big comeback in this modern world. People are always talking about, like, the maglev train to Portland from Seattle. Like, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> Stick me in a tube, man. I'll take the tube, thank you very much. Yeah. Pneumatics! It's the wave of the future. <laughs> so they, yeah. uh, so they're gonna cleanse him with the transporter beam. He's gonna and... purify himself in the waters of the transporter stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and he's like hanging out in there, and the 
poopy Shia Halud comes back and he grabs it and uh and like Jordy and Jordy and O'Brien are like p- playing a duet on the transporter computer and they're like what the fuck just happened he just gained 90 pounds <laughs> and they erect a force field around the transporter pad and materialize him and he's holding a man in a bad starfleet science boy costume and it turns out that uh that the the poopies floating around in the in the matter stream are in fact crew members from the USS Yosemite and uh and Barkley explains very briefly to Worf and his Dustbuster Club, like, just, yeah, like, go into the matter stream, grab one of the poops, and you'll come back, and it'll be a person. They're poopies. <laughs> They're made of people. <laughs> They're people. <laughs> like, literally, the last words that O'Brien says to Barkley are, try not to move around much in there. Not sure we'll be able to bring you back if you do. And he full-on, like jumps in the pad like wraps his arms around this wet gray sleeping bag and brings it back with him yeah and then Worf and the dust buzzer club do the same yeah it is a a lot of trust there it's an error-free life-saving attempt yeah good times i am the cutest of all you will assist us i am the cutest of all Barkley just sort of basks in the glow of of a man who's crazy was proven true, you know? <laughs> like, that's the satisfied look on his face. He's crumpled in a heap in the corner of the transporter room. He's all sweaty and satisfied. He's like, I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's the I satisfaction win. my wife would feel if we were on a transcontinental jet and, you know, we hit a a pelican and we were going down. She would look at me and be like, I was right. I was right all along. Yeah, there's a there's a certain amount of vindication here. <laughs> so uh, I think the the slide whistle on the episode is uh, the, the two bad boys of conditioner <laughs> hanging out in 10 forward. And Chief O'Brien introduces Barkley to his pet tarantula. Keep an eye on her, will you? Sure. Just getting back to their hair for a moment. Like, do you know anyone with curly hair like Colin Meany? The only person I know that has hair similar is maybe Jordan Morris of the great Jordan Jesse Go podcast. All I hear about from people who have curly hair is how difficult the upkeep is. So by saying that, all I'm saying is I'm not sure if if O'Brien and Barkley can really commiserate about hair matters. I don't know the way. I'm not trying to punch down or anything, Adam. I'm just saying they like when you get a close shot of both of them, it's clear that they have not taken care of their manes, you know? Like there's a lot of split ends on evidence, there's a lot of frizz. Yeah, it's it's first day hair. Like yeah. it's it's washed but not product. Like neither of them is as groovy, but they've both taken a page from the Neil Young hair care manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, O'Brien takes out uh, a steamer basket that you'd get dim sum <laughs> with and reveals like a giant tarantula. Yeah. I got to tell you, Ben, when the cart, the, when the dim sum cart goes by and you got your, your big broccoli, you got your shumai. Yeah, you've uh, got that, that shrimp with like, uh, like mayonnaise and walnuts. I'll, I'll eat all of that. That sounds yeah, great. It's good stuff. I'm not, I'm not getting those tarantulas though. <laughs> 
<laughs> not getting the tarantula. That's next level dim sum. I think I think you should try it next time, man. It's pretty good. It's, All right. There's not a lot of bad dim sum in the world, Adam. O'Brien, who has never betrayed an interest in pets, <laughs> does not have a pet or a, a, a pet age appropriate child at home. What's he doing keeping poisonous spiders at home with a newborn? <laughs> He's looking for a way out, Adam. Yeah, he really hates his family, huh? <laughs> he fucking hates it. Do you think that on the Enterprise, there's like the one page leaflet of Enterprise news that like that that some kid is putting together every day <laughs> and like and there's always the pet escape story on that thing right like you know it's jay gordon doing that yeah <laughs> yep it's totally jay gordon's vanity press newspaper <laughs> it's like uh like some month a boa constrictor escapes the pet shop set that we've seen before yeah and you know miles o'brien's tarantula is gonna escape at some point it's gonna make the news yeah can't wait for that episode, Adam. Hopefully that's in season six. Yeah. <laughs> really got a lot of ground to cover, don't we? We sure do. Did you like this episode, Adam? Yeah, I think I did. I mean, how many bottles is Barkley going to get? 99. If you were to, before the show even started, tell me that there was a character <laughs> who, had all, who had all of these phobias, who had who had some stuttering, who had some social issues, who who made some fake love affairs on the holodeck with Bridge Crewman. You got this guy. And then you have potentially the most powerful figure ever to exist in Star Trek, tending the bar. <laughs> who would you want to see more of, of those two characters? So far, we've gotten... Barkley's only been on the show for like a season and a half. We've gotten so much Barkley, dude. We've and so little Guinan. Make can Guinan I just, great again, Adam. Can I just scrape some of the Barkley into the Guinan column? Give me some <laughs> of that. Give it to me. Yeah, I mean, I like I like the episode, but chill out with the Barkley. Knock it off good. with all that Barkley. I think we're good on Barkley for a while. Yeah. Save it till the end of Voyager. What about you? I did like this episode. Um, I thought that maybe it like slipped into the transparent a couple of times when it was like very obviously about air travel. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's... (laughs) I thought for sure, speaking of that, that O'Brien would be like, yeah, you know, when I first started transporting, I would just get bombed. (laughs) I'd get bombed in the lounge and then uh, it makes transporting a breeze. (laughs) But they weren't willing to make the comparison quite that that equivalent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have three or four Bloody Marys. Transporting doesn't feel like anything at all. Yeah, Jordy's like, I I do it uh, like a Xanax and a half and a double <laughs> at the at the airport lounge before I get on the on the transporter pad. <laughs> you just sleep most of the way through. It's great. Yeah. Be there in no time. Have you tried melatonin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fun. They uh, that was a strike through on the script. <laughs> yeah, that was in the white copy, but not the blue copy. <laughs> Do you see any messages coming in on the on the P one transponder? The P one yeah. transponder is pregnant with messages, Adam. Let's let's let it uh, give some sweet sweet birth. 
let's let's boil up some water and uh and get some <laughs> tear get up some, some blankets yeah <laughs> boy you and i just went very different directions there <laughs> Yes, blankets are a better idea than scissors. <laughs> Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of messages here. The first one is a personal message from Boo Boo, your macaroni salad and husband. It's, it's to Yogi. My potato salad and husband. Husband, happy 54th birthday. Early or belated, depending on when this airs. <laughs> I, <laughs> I look forward to celebrating, or maybe we already have damn chroniton particles. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe we already have damn chroniton particles. I decided to take that in the damn Daniel direction. I like that. I can't tell you how happy I am we found each other, even though I had to drive around the coffee shop three times to find you in the one-horse town of Staten. Hashtag, you're going to want to use a flanged base. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Did that read as flanged or flared? Uh, Flanged. I like. Okay. They sound like experts. Yeah. All of the vocabulary I bring to that line of comedy is learned from the Dan Savage uh, podcast. So. Yeah, definitely. We should really add him to the credits at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Given how much we mine his material for ours. Yeah, just made up most of our jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'd be horrified if he knew about this. We outsource our music and our jokes. Man, having macaroni salad and potato salad at the same party, that is real tempting. That's a lot of carbs, though. It's a lot of mayo, <laughs> depending on your recipe. I guess, yeah, yeah. If it's a, uh, if it's a mayonnaise-y macaroni salad, yeah. I suppose I'd that could be... I prefer a nice, a nice German mustardy potato salad. Ooh, that sounds I, good. I prefer that tang. I could get into that, Adam. I like a potato salad to Blitzkrieg all over my taste buds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben, we have a second priority one message here. It's from Bill, and it is for Goalie. And it goes like this. Happy birthday. What? A birthday message from your two favorite podcasters? I have indeed made it so. That's the line, right? You will always be my drunk Shimoda. And I'll always be yours. I love you. Ah, There's a lot of love on this podcast lately. Bill knew all the lines. All of them, including the Drunk Shimoda line. Yeah, nailed it. Perfect birthday greeting, Bill. Hope you're feeling very loved, Goalie. If you were to pick two picnic foods for Bill and Goalie that were not potato and macaroni salad, uh, not even knowing them, what are they? Hmm. Um. I don't know. Coleslaw and coleslaw and baked beans. That's where there my head go. was going. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Coleslaw and baked beans. Two coleslaw from baked beans. It's alliterative for Bill. <laughs> I love it. Uh, if you enjoy hearing us stretch these P ones into something vaguely humorous, you go to <laughs> maximumfun.org/slash. Jumbotron 
where personal messages are $100, commercial messages are $200, picnic-related messages, again, $100. Uh, They're a great way to support the show that you love and hear us contort ourselves into comedic pretzels (laughs) around your many references. Yeah, there's probably pretzels on that table, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dip a pretzel into them baked beans. Yeah. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Oh boy, I laughed really hard at a line that Worf had. Uh, I think it's when Barkley gets the whole band together to discuss what he's been seeing in the transporter beam. And he describes these these little poo worms. And he says that they have a mouth. Mm -hmm. Cuts to Worf. Worf just goes, a mouth. (laughs) Oh man, it made me laugh. So Worf is my drunk Shimoda for this episode. Ben, we just watched this episode, and I can't be sure that that isn't Worf's only line of dialogue. <laughs> like, I can just see Michael Dorn flipping forward and backwards in his script. Yeah. Only one highlighted line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, you mean I have to put on my uniform for this? Mm-hmm. Gotta my sit sh- in that loaf chair for four hours. Oh, that's brutal. That is not a good payoff. Uh, For me, my Shimoda is O'Brien, and it's less specific and more general with him. Like, they sort of give him some interesting stuff to do. They wake him up and trot him into the transporter room to interact with Barkley. I feel like that's a fun... That's a fun bit of acting for Colm to do. Like, act like you're really put out with Barkley and tired. Yeah. And then there's the scene where he just sort of fucks with him on the spiders, like yeah. sort of trying to commiserate with him, get on the same level as as far as the phobias go, like trying to trying to become equals in some way that Barkley is just not having. Like and also I feel like Barkley doesn't do a good job recognizing the effort, you know? Yeah. Barkley's not good at making friends. I feel like O'Brien's really trying. And he's trying in a fun way, and that's why I'm giving him my Shimoda. Nicely done, Colm. Yeah. He's got a back zip, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, he's had a back zip. Has it been from the start? Well, I mean, they changed the the whole thing. Once people were doling out back zips, was he in the first wave of back zips? I think he was a first waiver. I think so, too. I think think that's got to feel good. Early adopter of the back zip. You gotta feel good when they're they're like they got the they got the box open and they're handing them out and yeah. the box is getting lower and lower and Colomini like, is like saying Ugh. everybody's last name. Dorn yeah. Freaks. Yeah, I mean <laughs> McFadden. Uh, yeah, you hear a McFadden, you gotta think Meanie's coming. Yeah. Ah, what a relief. Yeah. That's a great day. There were probably some times in seasons four and five where he was like, well, at least I got that back zip going for me, because... <laughs> the back zip resale has got to be far better than the front oh, yeah. zip, I bet. Yeah. Totally. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season six, episode three, 
man of the people, Troy is drastically transformed when a visiting ambassador secretly uses her to achieve his aims. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Is this the one where Troy turns into a fish? <laughs> is this the fish Troy episode? Uh, it, it's either that or the Elvira Troy episode. Oh, do we get deep voice Troy? This might be deep voice Troy. Oh, goody. I'm excited for this one then. I like me some deep voice Troy. Yeah. Do you think she's kept the tan? <laughs> she was also looking very tan this episode. She sure was, yeah. I don't know. This is a character development for her. If I just got back from a vacation as an actor and I am now tan on the show, I think you're... You've got to write a line in to explain it away. Well, not only that, but like it's just part of my job to be tan, you guys. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out to the trailer, get some sun, while you guys run this scene. You can go ahead and do it without me. Do my pickups later. Yeah. When it's night. Yeah. There's sort of a lot going on here with her. Yep. She goes through a lot this season. She gets tan. She changes uniforms. Yeah. Good times. It's a big. Well, one. I'm not vetoing this episode, Ben. Are you? No way. All right. Got to see it. All right. Well, that's the next one. I should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea for our other music. Dan Savage for our jokes. Yeah. Let's see. We should thank everybody that chose not to complain about my homeopathy jokes. <laughs> I don't think there are many of those, Ben. I appreciate it, though. The ones that... The ones that decided not to take to their keyboards yeah because they believe in fake science <laughs> oh god <laughs> i'm not gonna check our email for a while <laughs> guys if you uh, if you write in with something sincere and not homeopathy related uh give it some time i'll, I'll get to those eventually <laughs> well uh we should uh you should People, people uh, love to talk to us about all of this stuff on, the, on uh, the Greatest Gen hashtag, the Facebook group, the Reddit sub, the Maximum Fun Reddit sub, all great places that everybody loves hanging out. And uh, we hang out there, too, uh, try, and, try and stay in the mix as much as possible. So yeah. uh, we love to see you guys on there. If you want to support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Um, and... With that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that may or may not be a fish. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.